it's a matter of understanding what is the need on the other side, uh, on the investor side, and figure out a way in which we can help you to get closer to that. I will not do it for you, but just to um, use what we build on our platform to get you closer to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Latam Venture Capital Podcast. This is your host, Fernanda Sesto, and in this show, I have thought-provoking interviews with Latinx venture capital investors and fearless entrepreneurs who share their stories of success, challenges, career backgrounds, and market thoughts. Thank you for tuning in today, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Damaris Mendoza is a Mexican communicator and investor. She led the investor relations fundraising efforts at 500 Global for Latin America, and her journey in the ecosystem began when she joined Boletia, where she served in various roles before becoming part of the 500 Latin team. Prior to that, she built her career in the media industry. Within the venture capital industry, she has served on the board of Mujeres Invirtiendo and as an ambassador for We Invest Latam and Global Women in VC. Currently, she's a partner at 500 Global, the most active early-stage investment fund globally with the mission to support the most talented entrepreneurs in the region with capital and guidance. In this episode, you will learn more about the Maddie's experience fundraising for the first time, her thoughts about the evolution of VC platform in Latin America, and how to create a strategy for a fund. This is Damaris Mendoza. Hi, Damaris. I'm so happy to have you here. You're such a great guest uh, for the podcast, for the community, for listening. So thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for the invitation, Fernanda. So to begin with, I'd love to ask you more about yourself. What are your core values? What's your story? What's What are your passions? Yeah, I actually feel like I have a very non not so common story, especially for what I do. Um, I studied communication because I wanted to be a wildlife filmmaker and just like spend weeks out there waiting for the perfect shoot and so on. Um, and almost half of my life, I thought that that was going to be my thing, right? Or working in media. And uh, before I, I could uh, recall, I was already working as a um, assistant producer for a, a news channel and just spending most of my time a, you know, in a production cabin and just like coordinating a, reporters and a, like lines of, of data and, and news that came from all over the world. And I understood that my thing was live and, and work in chaos. A, so I didn't see that clearly back then, but the logical step forward for that was to work in a startup, in an early early stage startup, because you know, like it's kind of the same. Everything is on fire the whole time, and you have to figure out a way to uh, coordinate and 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 find your pace and order uh, between like in the middle of of the chaos, right? Um, so. That's a little bit of on the professional side, my journey. Uh, on the personal one, I've always considered myself someone that has to put her family first. So I have three younger uh, brothers and, and a sister, I mean, two brothers and a sister, and I've always been very close to them. Um, so I'm a, a very uh, outspoken person that can be out there all day and just 
having conversation, interesting conversations with everyone and being in events and so on. But my my true um, pillar is to be back home with my with my family and just spending time with them. Um, I do have a dog that sometimes gets in most of my of my calls because he's very needy like that. Um, and yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, my uh, educational background, of course, make me prone to be a very avid uh, film and movie uh, attendee. So I've, I've, I'm always on top of what is going on on uh, every other uh, media platform and just in the movies every week and so on. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit of a glimpse of who am I. Yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. I am also a very family-oriented person, so I understand that. And and it's definitely like a big part of my life too. So I, I like that. And I think it's very embedded as well in, in Latin American culture too. You started your career in 500 Global in what's considered a platform role, right? Which is a relatively new concept in venture capital. And you were in partnerships and investor relations role. So how do you think platform roles in Latin America VC ecosystem have changed throughout the years? That's a very good question. Um, I do believe that in the past, I would say that five to six years, that uh, kind of roles were starting to take some relevance. Beforehand, I do believe, and a little bit today still, they are kind of diminished, not, not in the way in which they are not relevant or they are not, not important, but it's very weird to see out there in a fund that someone that has a platform role has can aspire to have a career into the investor side, which is the most relevant, definitely. I mean, we as a fund, of course, our main goal and, and the main task that we have to do and the main KPI is going to be if you either write the check or if you don't. And that's at the end of the day what it matters. So it's okay or it's fine that we have this investor's role with a more cohesive or rounded career path in which everyone understands uh, which is the next step, uh, what what are we expecting from you to, to bring into the table uh, like and so on. But to be honest, I feel like I was super privileged because I landed in a place in which uh, that uh, platform role and, and the few things that probably were more relevant or in which I, I, I was shining the most uh, specifically for that were considered to, to actually find a way in which my talents could help the organization to scale, right? Uh, and I do believe that's the most crucial part of it because every person that is currently uh, taking uh, an opportunity or taking the leap of faith that it is to throw your career over to venture capital, uh, especially in this market conditions, not because it's it's more difficult than uh, like seven years ago or something, but because it's not 2021 or 2022 in which it was super cool and everyone, everyone wanted to be there and be part of the conversation and so on, but because it's a very tough job. I mean, it's it's a, a career in which you can start like materializing the effort of a decade in a decade, which is crazy. I mean, we're not immortal, right? So it, it's a very 
especially in emerging regions such as LATAM, it's it's a very um, a, it, I don't know how to say, but it, it's a job that requires some passion because if not, you just become impatient and it, you will throw everything over over the world, right? So in terms of that switch, I'll say. Um, I I feel like the ecosystem is taking more uh, time to actually uh, help those kind of roles to understand their job or, or or their part into the everything, right? Such as the funds have different stages in which each one of them uh, it's more relevant. It happens the same with these platform roles and uh, platforms like in in, in quotes, right? Um, so in that sense, in the past, I'll say four years or five, I've seen way much more job opportunities for roles such as investor relations, which is not considered until today part of, of the, the, like the investor's uh, path or investor's uh, role in which you have that career path more defined. Uh, but I'm, I'm super gratified super happy to see every uh, fund to actually start taking serious those kind of roles because at the end of the day if you don't have a proper back office or a proper investor relations structure or a proper uh, whatever you need to actually operate the fund it will crumble um i will say that the fund administration part of it it's often overlooked and it's one of the most crucial part of it because that's when like where everything relies on it even for like starting from the phone model to the budgeting to actually have a great platform for communicate your financial statements what is going on with your fund with your main stakeholder or i mean the second main stakeholder which is the lp that for me as as coming from someone from from a investor relations a career path it's equally important than than having amazing entrepreneurs, of course. I mean, we're here because of the entrepreneurs. But at the end of the day, you have to have a healthy structure in which your LPs are satisfied with the returns that you're uh, generating and the impact that you're having into the ecosystem and everything that you're building around that in order to have a second fund. Because if not, it will just be a, a one-chapter story, right? Um so yeah, hopefully it was not, you know, very over the place, but I think it's super relevant to start thinking more into this kind of platform roles and to educate potential amazing investors, which actually bring something different into the table because probably such as me will have a background that it's quite different than the usual path or, or the usual academic and career path background that most of the investors out there are having, right? So having that kind of plural but educated conversations, it's going to be the secret sauce or the difference between having one fund or investing in one fund rather than the other, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also the, the competitive landscape between like the different VC funds as well, having a good fund operations like process and also uh, a good you know, brand and, and communications platform, as you were mentioning, adds to the, the VC firm itself and makes it easier to get deal flow. It all supports the, the mission of the fund, which is ultimately invest, as you were saying. But yeah, it's super interesting. I'm, I'm like very interested in platform. And I think that 
it's a role or like a like a side of VC that it's quickly growing. And I'm just curious to see like how it will become in LATAM. So what were some of the key learnings you personally had from this experience when you started in investment relations and partnerships? Yeah, I mean, that I would say that it lasted very, <laughs> it, it was a very short period, I'll say it was over six or seven months. And one of the key things or the key learnings that I got is was that I mean, Latin America corporates don't know or, or they really don't understand how to work with startups. Um, and this is something that it's not the fault of the corporation, like the corporation or, or the corporate by itself, but on the culture, on how they move forward. And even though if you want to create a different area that will be working very closely with startups, but if you have to have a champion that goes back to the rest of the organization to actually sell a pilot or an investment or something else, and these two cultures don't match or they, they don't really communicate well each other, it will be unfruitful which is a shame because I do believe that in Latin America, corporations are going to become one of the most relevant actors in terms of capital invested in the following five to seven years. So I, I think there's this, there, there, there are some waves of change and I've seen some very talented professionals that are developing this, this structure and the strategy on the CVC on their side. Uh, and are are moving uh, very fast, faster than in the past decade, I would say. And that became uh, something very interesting and something to be actually very close to and understand how how can you be part of it, right? Uh, but that role, as I said, last very very couple of months because we were in the need to start fundraising our third fund. It was time. And what happened with funds is that whenever you have a family of funds or if you are planning to be an investor for a couple of decades, which is it's, it's a challenge by itself, you have to pace yourself in order to, I mean, if you're investing in pre-seed in which uh, the funds are like 10 years periods of, of uh, be, be, be like between start to investing in, until you have some liquidity and you repay the fund and so on. You have to think about the the time that it takes for a company to actually mature and, and, and be relevant enough to be like relevant for a liquidity event or for an exit or for anything, right? So that puts you in a, in, in a place in which from the 10 years that la the fund lasts, the first three are the ones that you are actively investing, right? Because you want to have some maturity time for it, like for the companies to develop and grow and so on. If you are also making follow-on on those companies, you have to consider another year or year and a half for follow-on investments in those companies that you were analyzing and reviewing and working with for the past 24 months or something like that, right? So that led you five years for those companies to grow. Some of them consolidate and became like industry um, uh, standards and, and the new big thing in their own, like, geography or industry and so on and then to find those liquidity events so if you are thinking about it you have and, and if you don't want to slow the investment pace you will have to raise a fund every three years or three and a half four years in order to always have some like capital to deploy 
and to be able to keep the pace of deal flow coming all the time. Because an actor that invests the first three years and then it just went quiet for the next one or two years because they, it, it doesn't have enough capital to invest, very quickly became irrelevant. I mean, the ecosystem moves so fast that if for a year or two you are not making new investments, you are going to become irrelevant one way or another. Unless you have, you know, like this big uh, hit and you just like uh, get a lot of TBPI and, 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 and you make a big deployment for your LPs, then you can just like redeem yourself. But if not, you have to be constantly in the battle of how to get the best quality, the, the best deal flow uh, in terms of quality, in terms of the teams, in terms of the solution. And that is a race that it'll never, it'll never stop. So you have to have enough capital to actually be out there chasing it and, and became like, or keep yourself relevant for longest time. So that for saying like the, the time periods of three years, every two years or three and a half or four, uh, raising a new fund. So for us, it was time for the third fund. Uh, and Santiago, my, my partner, was like, hey, you know, like it seemed like we have been working together very well. Uh, you have some talents out here. Like he just like market very quickly. And it was like, those are very necessarily for us. Now for the next stage and want you to help me and learn during the process and so on. Very quickly, I started to get more and more of the the whole pro i mean it just became my thing right the whole process of fundraising to find new potential investors to pitch to them to understand the the paperwork which is not easy when you have a fund that it's a, a that has to a, comply with the sic um and just to navigate all that to get um Latin American investors to understand that your process probably will not be the easiest one or it's not as simple as signing a convertible note if they were used to be angel investors and so on. Um, and I started to get that into that very quickly for, by the first closing. Uh, I do remember that I believe that uh, Santi has to be out there in a different part of the world because of something. And uh, it was all my hands and I was shaking. I was so nervous. Of course, it was the first time that I was doing the whole process and understanding the back office and coordinating legal and accounting teams and so on. And I was super nervous. And after the first closing, I felt like I could do anything. And so like very soon after, I started to get more into the designing the other part of the conversation, right? Because what happens after you invest in a fund? What's next? Uh, what can you expect? What can you, like, what should be like the, the line that you mark between this we can do, this we cannot, and the pay, the communication, which is very important. And then my academic background came <laughs> came into, into place, right? And uh, started to build all that part and just became like the responsible of the investor relations uh, in a, by, by the time that we were already making the second and the third closing. And soon after, um, had a conversation with now my, my current partners and it was like, I mean, this is super important for us uh, as a family of funds that by that time already had three funds. 
And we ended up having 156 investors in our platform, just in three funds. And thinking about what you wanted to build for the next decade, they were like, hey, I mean, we want you to be in the conversation, in the table, actually helping us to design the strategy and the structure in which we will scale and be keep ourselves relevant for the following 20 years. Uh, do you want to be part of it? And I was like, well, yes. I mean, I think I've, I've been building it with, with or without this intention to actually be here for the following 20 years, right? So, um, yeah, that, that's how, how fast that is scale. I mean, the learnings of the first month definitely were game-changing for us to take decisions on, on which kind of investor we wanted to target by that third fund. And now looking at the shift, as I said, in the corporations, because for the, first, the third fund, we, we had the pleasure to work with very talented CBCs, administrators, and so on, but they were uh, uh, not, not, not uh, I mean, there were just a few of them, right? Uh, I'm, I'm talking about 2019. It wasn't that long ago. Um, but um, very quickly understand, understood that by that time, neither they had the capability to actually manage the influx of deal flow, things to do, events to attend that we were managing. So it was kind of a not necessarily the best match by then, but we figured out that we created something internally that can serve properly that kind of, of particular uh, type of investor, which is like CVCs and corporations. Um, but now for the fourth fund, we have seen that dramatically change as these corporations to actually become more sensitive on what it is that you have to figure out inside yourself first in order to, to start uh, deploying or wanting to deploy capital out there. Um, so that in terms of it, also I've seen a very gratifying or like I'm super happy to see that changes as well on, on DFIs, you know, like uh, development uh, finance institutions such as uh, World Bank, I mean, IFC that works on that side, uh, IPV as well to become more aware of what is the current needs that a market in, in, in a development such as Latin America. Within Latin America, we have a bunch of other nascent markets with our, uh, like in, in diapers compared to, I don't know, like Mexico or Brazil, such as Ecuador, Dominicana, Central America, Caribbean, and so on. And, uh, and to match those needs with their own internal politics, I think has been game changer. Uh, really appreciate the work that at least in, in IDB, uh, Irene and Maggie have done to push forward, forward those boundaries because without them, I think half of us will be, you know, like kind of uh, in a more challenging uh, situation, right? Uh, not only because they are able to deploy more capital, but also to support emerging uh, fund managers that come from a different uh, different back backgrounds and that have a different target, especially for these nascent ecosystems. I think the um, effect of that, it, it will be a, like we, we could see that long after we're gone, but it like it's a good way or, or a good place to start, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, first of all, I had Magdalena in the podcast, so we talked about that is specifically like how it is different across different markets in, in Latin America. 
and how the Caribbean also has a, you know, how, how to balance that and how to manage those type of investments. Um, and then also, you know, you've mentioned that, well, you've mentioned a lot of things. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, sorry, I just went no, all the way. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I love it, and I and I appreciate that. You know, you share how you your role from investor relations to then partnering, like having to have that you know responsibility that was like thrown upon you to like raise the new fund and understanding all that, and then being invited to the table of actually like okay, I you know being a partner, and I think that's very impressive. First of all, I admire that a lot. Uh, that's great. And also, especially in Latin America, you know, you as a woman being there and like making those type of decisions is really good, I think, for the ecosystem. And then second, um, I mean, I, I think it, it it just, it requires a lot of set of skills, like specific skills, I guess, to like plan ahead that, like that much time and thinking strategically, like, what exactly you want to get out of those funds as well that you're investing like what is the strategy behind so i'm actually curious to 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 talk about that a little bit more and like how do you determine like because you mentioned that you know you explained very well and i think that the audience is probably appreciating that like how the liquidity aspect works and like the time periods and everything but i'm curious to know like how do you strategize what are you going to do with each fund and what is like how do you think about that? Is that like something that you guys, when you're fundraising, how do you talk to investors about it? Like, yeah, like I'm just curious, like from a strategy perspective, you know, if that makes sense, like how, how do you plan ahead, which type of investments you're going to make with each fund and what are you going to yeah. focus it on? Yeah, no, that that it, it's a very good question. In the in terms of what are we going to invest in in order to design a strategy that is cohesive around that and we are able to execute it. One of the things that I believe it's more I wouldn't say that overshadowed, but we are very uh, bad because we tend to be very you know humble and not to brag about it any like too much or so on, but. Uh, at least in 500, I mean, just to provide some context, 500, it's an organization which is a VC platform. We have close to uh, 2.5 billion of assets under management. We're a family of 29 funds. We have a presence around 81 countries. Uh, we're just uh, only uh, 160, 62 people or something like that. But we have made close to 3,000 investments in the past 13 years. So it's not uh, an easy feat, to be uh, honest. Uh, but one of the things that we uh, do the most is that we tend or we find ways and systems to hyper-communicate. One of the things that I like the most is that when we are looking at some um, trend in Latin America that we believe is going to be amazing, and uh, we see that there's a perfect fit for it, and that, that it's something that will move the needle quite dramatically, we take a moment and just go back and see if in Middle East or our South Southeast Asia fund or our Emerging Europe fund, we have invested in something similar and reach and just like knock the door and ask, hey, what did you learn? What did it work? What it didn't? And how can we just avoid that? How can just make the a bet on this? And even though if the odds are in 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 against it, if we find conviction on this 
company internally as ourselves because we see this um, specific need for the region, not only for a specific country within LATAM, right? But as a region completely, we try to get that information and those like lessons learned and build something in which we find a, a path or, or a roadmap in which we will make this company, I mean, we will make the investment and make this company work, right? So we're very good like scattering information from here and there, we, like inside 500, we use a lot of our LPs as well as a source of uh, very relevant insights, especially when they are a, a industry experts. And that will make like uh, move me into into what you asked regarding what uh, what we do we ask for our investors, right? So currently we have, and this is like a three D chess step, right? It just had so many layers, but just to try to synthesize, we have three investment like investor type, uh, those that are high network individuals that are investing in Latin America because they are or from LATAM and just like went very successful in the US or in other geographies and so on and just want to give back or because they want to mentor companies and be close to them and find good opportunities in which they can just like help to grow this ecosystem with us like together. They're, they are usually the most passionate individuals. Uh, they tend up to end up like investing angel tickets here and there as well in one or, or, or other company. They are the most enthusiastic about the events that we made, about building community, connecting with other LPs as well and with other founders. I just, again, like as a, as, a, as a quote, LP is limited partner, which is the structuring with an investor can get into a fund. Just if someone out there was kind of lost, lost uh, <laughs> regarding the LP term. Um, the second type of investor that we have are corporations or family offices and multifamily offices, which we kind of put in the same bucket because some, like most of the times, their appetite to get into a fund is to learn as well, to understand how you as a partner, what, what's your investment rationale, how, how your gears inside your brain works, why do you decide over a company, I mean, to invest in a company over another and so on. And because they have a specific appetite of making a, or, or creating a portfolio a, based on the companies that you invest in. So the co-investment opportunities for them are super important. Uh, they also want, I mean, there's a kind of inside that bucket that also wants to be involved in events and ecosystem and so on. But mostly for them, it's like a transaction. They have a mandate to allocate capital. And if that fits what you are building, I mean, it's just like a matter of just making the right introduction and everything will just work work beautifully over that. They sometimes have bigger tickets to invest in the funds, but also they reserve some capital to actually be, be able to execute in, in those potential co-investments that we will have like over the time, right? And the third one is like this more institutional, some multifamily offices like are, are in that bucket as well. Uh, GFIs and, and many other institutional and bigger investors in which uh, their mandate or, or the mindset is that this is also part of my obligation, right, to finding which, uh, which is the best fund to deploy capital out there in which specific, specific region. And for Latin America particularly, some of the DFIs have like this very important impact component in which if you are able to 
uh, report which um, uh, which companies are, um, are are from nascent ecosystems or are uh, founded by a diverse team or or women or um, if there's a, an employability rate that you can just add, like extract from the reports that your portfolio provides those like add you know some some points into that conversation and they as long as they have this specific mandate you are just like again have to run or, or pass through the due diligence process but uh, the chances that you are getting into their door are, are more uh, possible than like if you just like do it by yourself. So those are the, the three types of investors on top of it. Uh, and just to add another layer uh, of, of complexity, uh, I try to understand in the decision-making process, which uh, what thing motivates each investor, right? And after that, as, after they invest in the fund, I just deploy a, a, a system or a process in which if I know that what motivates you the most is the opportunity to co-invest, I will make sure that every uh, other uh, week you have an, in, uh, an intro with a portfolio company or a company that just I found out there that will keep in mind your investment mandate to make you an introduction and to help you get to, to, to achieve your investment uh, goals through what we do, right? So we're not like a tailor-made service for each investor and so on because we like don't have necessarily the manpower to do so. I mean, I would love to, but right now I have to rely on systems and platforms that we have built for ourselves to provide those kinds of services without it to be, you know, like something that I will devote uh, every single minute of my day because I also have to do some fundraising. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm talking about almost 200 investors by now. Um, so it's a challenge. But again, if, if I figure out during the, uh, the investment process that your motivation is towards getting closer to the entrepreneurs and to mentor companies, I'll make sure that every month you have one or two meaningful conversations and, and so on. So it, it's it's a matter of understanding what is the need on the other side, uh, on the investor side, and figure out a way in which we can help you to get closer to that. I will not do it for you, but just to um, use what we build and our platform to get you closer to there, right? Um, so yeah, that's more or less it. I mean, I, will, I, I could talk about it for hours. Yeah, no, no, right. I think that, that that's really good. And I think it kind of answers my question of like, how do you think about the strategy of each fund specifically? And I think the tailoring, you know, what you provide for the LP based on like their needs. It's like, it's like customer service in a way, but. It is. No, definitely <laughs> glorified customer service. But one of one thing that I forgot to add is that I rely a lot of, on our investors to develop ecosystems. And the rationale behind that is that whenever you have some stakes or skin in the game, which is like the, the more common thing to actually name this specific thing. But when you have skin in the game in a fund, in which you already invested, and you came from, let's say, Paraguay or Chile, um, if there's a company that reached you or that you heard about and you believe that might be a good investment opportunity for us, you will do everything to get 
like a more color, colorful um, detail and information about this company and get us an intro and then just help us to find a conviction if, if it's the right opportunity or if not, they will say like, hey, you know, like this, oh, I've heard like mixed feelings about this. I've talked with a couple of my friends that are customers and this and that. So the investor from different geographies within Latin America that has already deployed some capital in the, the current fund or the previous one is one of your best assets to get access to deal flow that otherwise you will have to go and fly and spend half a year in the geography to just get into that. So utilizing your, your LP force, again, it's a flywheel. It's just like a matter of just making this virtuous circle uh, cycle all over uh, again and again. Um, I mean, one of the things that since the pandemic hit and we just decided not to have an office anymore, us as a team, we spend a lot of time out there spending time where our entrepreneurs are instead of making all like to fly over to Mexico and spend time with us, right? Which is a nice shift and has enhanced more of these dynamics and these relations, relations, sorry, with our LPs and just to get into that kind of a deal flow that otherwise will be very challenging to get. And this not necessarily, it's always about the super hot, super hot deal that everyone wants to get into, but sometimes to get into the, uh, most of the time, times into that um, founder that was overlooked, that probably doesn't have a, you know, like the typical founder profile and so on, but that is building something up truly amazing of course you want to be part of it uh, but it's just a matter to get to know and get deeper roots into those specific markets and specific uh, geographies yeah definitely well thank you for that uh Damaris I think it was really helpful for everybody who's listening I have one more question and it's a little bit I guess like based on your experience so far based on your trajectory you know, this podcast is mostly targeted towards outside investors who are trying to learn more about Latin America and also young investors and people who are trying to break into the industry. So what is a piece of advice that you would give them? I would say that be bold and go and ask. Um, one of the most beautiful things is that the venture capital in Latin America specifically, it's a community of people that most of the times want to collaborate. I mean, we haven't get into that oversaturation in which everyone is competing against, like against each other or over a deal or something like that, but rather a community in which we understand that we need each other in order to build an industry that will outlive ourselves, right? So everyone out there or most of, of the actors out there are willing to, you know, like help you with an intro or to give you a piece of advice or just to mentor or something. And there's a lot of, I mean, every every time there, there there's more and more um, documentation on how Latin America is going to be the next big thing. And it's not something that I'm making up, but I mean, if you think about uh, food security or agro or, or climate solutions, Latin has a huge opportunity to build technology from the region to export globally, right? So that's the next big frontier. And everyone is super excited about it. Uh, 
there's still like a lack of, of access to basic services such as like health services or financial services, quality financial services and education and so on. And there is still an opportunity to build the next billion dollar business and change the life, uh, the, the lives uh, of, of a lot of people in Latin America for the best. Uh, but also, if, if you are willing to just understand the region better, I will say that just like reach someone through LinkedIn or ask for a warm intro. And if, if and there's a lot of paperwork out there, we just launch, uh, and this is not a commercial, but we do launch a report that it's called the 500 Global Rise of the Next or the RISE report, I believe so, the RISE report, yes, uh, which is like an analysis on the next 30 big economies that in the next decade will become the most relevant. Rather because they have the youngest population or the most uh, 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 smart uh, funds, uh, penetrations within their, uh, their um, population uh, or that are growing faster. And three of those 30 uh, next big geographies are from Latin America. Um, and specifically uh, regarding uh, communities that are outside or in the outskirts of the metropolitan areas, like the rural populations, there's a huge opportunity out there. And I do believe that all, that also will just be super interesting. So if you're thinking ahead on, on the next five to 10 years, I will say that this keep keep yourself uh, close to that uh, kind of industries or spaces learn a lot and ask i mean i mean especially for women in the in this industry super important that we uh, have to be more bold because yeah sadly there's still an opportunity to become or, or to make this space um you know equally uh, with equal opportunities for men and women but there's a lot of uh, of women, amazing women that have had like the biggest and amazing careers that is are, are willing to help you. Uh, so sometimes it's just a matter to uh, take that uh, imposter syndrome a little bit on the side and just make a bold question or just to ask for something. And most of the times it will work out. Yeah, definitely. I think that especially about women, I'm very pro that as well. So I appreciate you saying that. Well, it was great having you, Damaris. I think people, me, myself, I walk away with tons of learnings and insights and ideas. So I think the people who are listening probably feel the same way. Uh, I, yeah, I think this is great and I appreciate it so much and happy that you joined the community of Latin Venture Capital Podcast. No, thank you so much for the invitation and I'm glad that it was insightful. So hopefully everyone that just like listened so it can get something good about it. Yeah. Thank you, Fer. This episode was super insightful. Damaris really explained how fundraising works in Latin America from a GP perspective. And I think that everybody who is trying to understand better VC dynamics and fund structure definitely learned something new today. I was super grateful with her for sharing her story and also making it so dynamic and so entertaining to listen to. I hope that you learned something new today and please make sure to share this episode with your network and come back next Tuesday for a new episode.